Well, as we saw last week, St. Paul begins chapter 12 of his letter to the Romans and a new section of the letter by appealing to his readers on the basis of the mercies of God in the light of all that he has described about what God has done for us. St. Paul now appeals to us on that basis and he tells us and tells his readers that we're not to be conformed to this world, but rather we are to be transformed. And the way we are to be transformed is by the renewing of our minds. How we think matters. And the first thing our renewed minds will think differently about, St. Paul writes, is ourselves. As we saw last week, St. Paul tells us that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. St. Paul will repeat this instruction in our reading this week. Well, if we're not to think of ourselves too highly, how are we to think of ourselves? St. Paul writes, according to the measure of faith God has given us. We're each given gifts to enable us to play our part in the body of Christ. We are all different with different gifts, but we are part of the same body, and we are to use our gifts to benefit that body. Which brings us to this week's reading. St. Paul begins, let love be genuine, let love be real. Well, that's clear enough, but commentators don't agree on the meaning of what follows. They're at something of a loss to explain the connection between the different parts of the passage that I've just read. Many see it as just a random collection of things that Paul wants us to do. They're loosely connected sayings about how we should live. Closer examination, however, reveals that there's nothing random about what Paul writes. This is a carefully constructed passage. St. Paul uses various rhetorical devices, which are clear if you hear the passage read out aloud in Greek, but are sadly lost in translation. I've tried to give you a better idea of the passage, or at least part of the passage, on the order of service this morning. St. Paul begins by stating his theme, let love be real, let love be genuine. And because the word love can mean different things to different people, St. Paul tries to banish any sentimentality by explaining what he means. We are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Love involves hating what is bad and discovering, discerning what is good and holding on to it. St. Paul goes on to explain that love shows itself in how we relate to one another. We are to love one another, outdo one another in showing respect, and be earnest, devoted in our concern for each other. This will lead, amongst other things, to us contributing to the needs of the saints and to welcoming strangers being hospitable to outsiders who come to us. In other words, for Paul, if we are to love, there's a strong emphasis 
on how we relate to others, both in the church and outside it. He tells us we're to bless those who persecute us, to identify with others in their need, live harmoniously together, not have a high opinion of ourselves, but mix with those from less privileged backgrounds. We're, lit, we're to live peaceably with everyone as much as we can, and under no circumstances to seek revenge. In other words, we should think about others rather than ourselves, and our concern for others should extend outside the community of faith. Should we worry about what other people think of us? As far as St. Paul is concerned, the answer is yes, because how people think of us is a reflection of how we think about Christ. Well, all this seems a very tall order, doesn't it? Think about what St. Paul is asking of us. He wants us to share our gifts with each other, love one another, and live peaceably with everyone as much as it's in our power. How are we to do this? It seems an impossible task. Well, if we've been following what Paul has been writing in Romans so far, we will have some understanding of how we are to do it. But St. Paul encloses a little reminder in this passage about how we are to do it. We are to be passionate in the Spirit and serve the Lord. Your translation may have, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. I think a better translation is, be passionate in the Spirit and serve the Lord. And this will see us rejoicing in hope, persevering in suffering, and persisting in prayer. If you want a simple way to remember it, three Ps, praise, perseverance, and prayer. There is so little hope in our world, but we can rejoice in hope because Christ gives us hope. We can persevere in suffering because of the hope that Christ gives us. And the suffering we experience, rather than leading to despair, leads us to pray, to pray for the strength to bear it, but also to pray for the day when Christ will return and all suffering will cease. In chapter 13, St. Paul will discuss our obligation to the governing authorities, and he will then sum up our response to the mercies of God by writing, Owe no one anything except to love one another, he will then encourage us to see that love, to see our response to the mercies of God in the light of the coming day of the Lord. And he will conclude by writing, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. In other words, St. Paul locates our life here and now between two events, between the death of Christ and the return of Christ. These provide the basis and the impetus for how we are to live. We live in response to what God has done for us in Christ our Saviour and in the light of Christ's return as our judge. What can we learn from all this? And what does it teach us about how we are to live? How are we to live in this in-between time between these two pivotal events? Well, firstly, St. Paul makes clear that worship is about how we think and live. 
we understandably see worship about, as being about what we do on a Sunday, singing hymns, saying prayers, listening to the reading, and trying to listen to the sermon. But worship in the New Testament is so much bigger than this. It includes this, of course, but worship in the New Testament is about the offering of ourselves to God. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Elsewhere, St. Paul writes, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We are to present our bodies, who we are, as a living sacrifice to God. This is our spiritual worship. It calls for a new way of thinking and looking at our world. We are a living sacrifice, and we offer all we are, all our thoughts, and all we do to God as a continuous act of worship. You've all been given an order of service, a liturgy, when you came into church this morning. St. Paul tells us that our diaries, our daily schedules, are to be our order of service, our liturgy, because we worship God in the smallest to the greatest act of our day. But secondly, this means that offering ourselves will require a radical rethink of our attitude to God and worship, and also to ourselves and to others. Jesus tells his disciples that they must deny themselves. This is completely alien to us today, isn't it? We're told constantly that we are to put ourselves first, and we're to do this by believing in ourselves, by being kind to ourselves, by making time for ourselves. You've probably all heard this one about getting a good work-life balance. I always find it hilariously funny when I'm interviewing for somebody who has never had a job before and they tell me they're seeking a good work-life balance, I always, say, I always say, get some work first and we'll talk about the balance uh, afterwards. St. Paul challenges this way of thinking. He tells his readers and tells us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, not to be arrogant, not to claim to be wiser than we are. Our focus is not to be on ourselves and what we want, but on God and what He wants. And so finally, what God wants is for us to take seriously the needs of others. And St. Paul stresses the importance of our loving one another. As a vicar, I sometimes get asked, can I live the Christian life on my own? No, you can't. Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Yes, you do. Is it enough to read my Bible, say my prayers, and try to live a good life? No, it isn't. Because living the Christian life on our own is not how God has designed it. St. Paul tells us we're all given gifts. All are given gifts, but not the same gifts. And we all need all those gifts to live as God wants. To worship God as we should means we need each other. 
you need the gifts that I have and I need the gifts that you have. We need to share our gifts in the body of Christ. The problem is we don't think we need each other. And going to church has become for many people something of an optional extra. The reason why it was so easy for us to give up going to church over COVID was because we didn't have a serious enough view of the church before it. We are one body in Christ and individually members of it, St. Paul writes. We are a community of faith and that community needs to come together bodily, physically, to function in the way God intended. I certainly appreciate all the resources that are online and I try to avail myself of them, but it's not enough. You need me and I need you. Responding to the mercies of God involves a complete rethink in how we see God and worship, ourselves and each other. St. Paul closes his explanation of love and our passage this morning on the same note with which he began it. He began by telling his readers to hate what is evil and to love or to cling to what is good. He closes by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May we overcome evil with love, love that is real, as we seek to serve the Lord passionately in the Spirit. Amen.